want to share a story with you today. And I've shared this story before. It's, I think everybody can relate to this. There's just certain things you hear in life, and they change your life. And this story is one of the things that literally in every aspect changed my life. It changed how I viewed prayer. It changed how I viewed God. It, it, it changed how we're to go to God in prayer. And I've shared this story before here. I went back and I keep very meticulous records of my sermons and when I've taught different things. And I thought I had taught it. I thought I shared this story about once a year, but it's actually been about four years since I've shared this story. And then we're going to get into the sermon today. And, but I want you to go back, and it's first century B.C. A devastating drought has destroyed Literally, it's destroyed an entire generation. Because without water, there's no food. There's no way to nourish the animals. There's no way to grow crops. Water was a vital part of society during that time. And it was a, it's a vital part of our society today. And it had literally destroyed a generation. This was the generation before Jesus. It was the generation before Jesus would be born and come and... It was a kind of what they call the quiet period. The last of the prophets had died off nearly four centuries before. In this time, God would bring up prophets, and the prophets would speak for God. And it had been four centuries since God had anointed a prophet to speak to the people. Miracles that people were so used to seeing through the prophets were literally a distant memory. They were nothing but stories that were passed down to their children. And in the people's mind, God was nowhere to be heard. But if you go back and you read, and you go back and you study, and you go back and you study the historians of that day, this is not a story found in the Bible, it's a story passed down through historians like Josephus and different people who recorded stuff in that time. It was a dark period. It was a quiet period. The people felt like they had not heard from God. They, miracles were, were just a distant memory. There was a drought in the land. They were at a loss for hope. And when you lose hope, that's a scary, scary place. But they said there was one man. They say he was an eccentric old man. He was a wise old man. And he lived outside the walls of Jerusalem. And I think every town has that man. You know what I'm talking about? Like when I lived in Iowa, we had a guy we called Jesus Man. Jesus walked around, he looked like Jesus, and he pushed a shopping cart everywhere. And people thought he was crazy, and here's the reality of the situation. He was crazy. But I talked to him many times, and though he was crazy, he was very, very deep and very, very knowledgeable. And when you left talking to him, you're always like, man, that was very interesting. I never thought about that. And that's the way I picture this man. He was an old man. He lived outside the towns. And though the people thought they couldn't hear God, so therefore they had stopped communicating to God, this man was just crazy enough to believe God heard him. And he prayed anyway. His name was, I don't even really know how you pronounce it. I pronounce it Honi, H-O-N-I. And even though the people no longer could hear God, Honi believed God could hear him. Here the people are, and they're in a drought. And rain's one of those interesting things, if you will. When rain is in abundance, it's really just an afterthought. But during a drought, rain is the only thought. And these people, though they thought Honoi was a little bit crazy and a little bit eccentric and he lived on the outskirts of town and people didn't really know how to take him, they were at the end of their rope and they knew this man believed in prayer. And so this crazy man became their only hope. See, even though Hanoi was, was a little bit crazy and a little bit eccentric and people really didn't know how to take him, he actually had a claim to fame. He was known for the ability to pray for rain. And it was on this day that he began, or the legend began, of Hanoi the circle maker. They said he walked into town, 
And they said everywhere he went, he carried a six-foot staff with him, a six-foot stick. And they said he came into town, and he talked to nobody, and he went to what would essentially be the town square in our day, right in the middle of the city. And they said he stuck his staff in the ground, and he began to turn in the sand all around him. And it was 90 degrees, and then he turned it 180 degrees, then he turned it 270 degrees, and then he turned it 360 degrees. And they said he never said anything. He never looked up, but he had drawn this perfect circle around himself. And they said what literally, Josephus said, what literally seemed like hours, but was only seconds, he simply stood in the circle that he'd drawn. <laughs> they say then he dropped to his knees. He raised his hands to heaven. And they said the only thing they could equate it to was he began to talk to God with the authority like he was one of the prophets of old. And they said, this is what he said. Lord of the universe, I swear before your great name, I will not move from this circle until you show mercy to your children. They said it was just this utter silence. He spoke out and they said it literally sent a shudder down the spine of those people who were within earshot. They said it wasn't just the volume of his voice. They said it was just amazing the authority that this old man spoke with. One of the historians said he spoke without one hint of doubt. And they said no sooner did the words get out of his mouth than it happened. <laughs> they said as his prayers ascended to heaven, raindrops began to descend to the earth. They said literally the thousands of people who were watching gave out an audible gasp. <laughs> Every head turned towards heaven. And the first raindrops began to drop. The people began to rejoice, but they noticed that Hono was still on his knees because really he wasn't satisfied with the small sprinkle that was happening. They said, still kneeling in his circle, he began to lift up his voice again and he uttered these words. Not for such a rain have I prayed, but Lord, I have prayed for a rain that will fill cisterns, pits, and caverns. They said immediately the sprinkle turned into a downpour. They literally said, this is what they say in the history books, the eyewitnesses said no raindrop was smaller than an egg. They were huge raindrops. They said it rained so heavily that the people had to flee to the Temple Mount to escape the flash floods. But they said, oh, no, he stayed on his knees in the circle, and he continued to pray. And they said, one more time, he refined his prayer. And he screamed out to the Lord, not for such a rain I have prayed, but I have prayed for the rain of thy favor, thy blessing, and thy graciousness. And they said, like a well-timed shower on a hot, humid August afternoon, the huge raindrops changed into just a steady, peaceful, calm rain. <laughs> they said each raindrop was a reminder of God's grace. They said it didn't just soak their skin, but it literally soaked the spirit of their faith. And the people of this day and the people of this time would forever remember the day because this was the day that the legend of the circle maker was born. Up until this point, it had been very difficult to believe. The day after this, it was impossible not to believe. They literally call it, literally it's called the prayer that saved a generation. 
It's deemed one of the most significant prayers in the history of Israel because had they gone much longer without rain, an entire generation would have been wiped out. The legend of Honai, the circle maker, it stands forever. Listen to me, don't miss this today. It stands forever as the testament of the power of a single prayer by a single human to change history. I want you to know today that there is power in prayer. It's been over 2,000 years since Honoy drove that circle, and I can't help but think today that in the time that we live in, we serve a God, and he's looking for some circle makers. He's looking for some people. He's looking for a generation who's willing to call out to him. He's looking for a generation who is willing to believe he will answer prayers. I believe he's looking for a generation who will call out to him, and they will continue to call out to him, and they will continue to plead with him, and they will continue to call out to him, and they will continue to plead with him, and they will continue to call out to him, and they will continue to plead with him until God answers our prayers. We have turned prayer into a joke. We have prayer meetings scheduled. We get together and we pray the same tired-ass prayers week after week after week, not because they're our passion, but because they're our memory. They're what we can recite We pray prayers like, God, this is my biggest pet peeve, and I am guilty of it. God, just keep them safe. How about God, keep them dangerous. God, keep them powerful. God, keep them bold. We started, instead of praying for our kids to change their schools, we pray for God to keep them safe in our school. Here's the deal, baby. God never promised you a life of safety. He never promised you a life of going through the motions. He never promised that life would be easy and life would be okay and that you wouldn't go through hard times. He's left us on this earth to be warriors. The Bible says by the foolishness of preaching it pleased him to save. The Bible says it took some people to raise up in their barbaric ways to spread the gospel. The church has become limp-wristed. The church has become become sissified. The church has become so passive. The church has become so just laid back the church has become everything and anything except a unit who is doing whatever it takes to advance the message of love that Jesus left us to leave feel good prayers that sound good and impress people with big words and God says I'm not looking for your simple prayers I'm looking for some dangerous prayers this book is full of people who prayed dangerous prayers this book is full of people who believe god heard them and god could change the world and over the next month we're going to look at some of the biggest most audacious craziest prayers in the bible and my prayer is that it changes your life because i got to be honest i don't think we got a jesus problem i do think we got a church problem but I think we got a bigger prayer problem in our country. Let me back that up. I believe we got a prayer problem in our world. We just don't believe in the power of prayer. God's looking for some people to take prayer seriously. God's looking for some people who are praying, expecting Him to move on their behalf. He's looking for a generation who's willing to draw some circles in the sand and stand into those circles until they hear God move. The great evangelist D.L. Moody said this. He said, every great movement of God starts with a kneeling knee. You will never see a movement of God that was not bathed in prayer. I believe that we're on the cusp. And when I say Let me rephrase that. We're not on the cusp because the cusp means we're almost there. I believe we're in the first steps. The first steps of the church getting back to understanding what love is.
and that God told us to love people no matter what, regardless of their social standing, regardless of the color of their skin, regardless of their sexual orientation. I think God just calls us to love, and the church has done everything and anything except love. The church has done a great job at hate, and the church has done a great job at judging, and they've done a really bad job at loving. But if we're going to see that movement become what I believe it can be in our society, and for whatever reason, and I'm not trying to be real kooky today, but for whatever reason, he has called this place to be at the forefront of that. I do, I believe. I believe. You heard my theory on movements. I believe there's pioneers. There's, ban- uh, there's pioneers, there's early adapters, and there's bandwagoners. Every movement starts with pioneers. Now, here's the deal with the pioneers. They take all the arrows. They take all the abuse. They find out all the things that don't work. They take all the headaches. And then they come along, and the, and the early adapters are like, man, I love that movement. Let me, let me change it. Let me tweak it. Let me do this. And then it becomes the early adapters begin to grow. And then you have the bandwagoners join on. And when the bandwagoners join, and you can tell the movement's about to die. I, I, I believe we, for whatever reason, oh, screwed up Action Church at 261 Marietta Road, get to be pioneers in the movement. Now, that means we're going to take abuse, and we're going to take arrows, and people aren't going to understand it, and they're not going to grasp it. But guess what? That's okay. And the way we'll get through that is not through being united that we need to be united. The way we'll get through that is not because by believing in the vision, because we all believe in the vision or we wouldn't be here. The way we'll get through that is through learning the power of prayer and getting away from safe prayers, recited prayers, prayers that just to pray, and get back to praying some dangerous prayers. Jeremiah 33, 3 says this, Call to me, and I will answer you. I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. You think you're praying for God to do something big and God's like, that's bottom line stuff. I'm about to take your prayer life to a whole nother level. You're praying down here at about a level two, but you're calling out to me, and I'm about to show you a level ten. But he said, I'm just waiting for you to call out to me. I'm waiting for you to call out to me like you mean it. God is looking for some people to stop praying cold prayers and start praying bold prayers. God's looking for some people to stop praying old prayers and start praying some bold prayers. God's looking for some people to stop praying stole prayers. Well, I heard so-and-so pray this and start praying some bold prayers. Listen to me today. Bold prayers honor God, and God honors bold prayers. God is not offended by your biggest dreams or your boldest prayers. Matter of fact, God is offended by anything less. When you come to God with less than your biggest dreams, and when you come to God with your watered-down prayers because you think they're too big, you offend our Savior. God says, you come to me with your big dreams. You come to me with your bold prayers. You come to me with your audacious goals. You come to me. I want to hear everything in your heart. I want to hear how crazy you get. God is honored by our life of faith and believing him for big things. If your prayers aren't impossible to you, they're insulting to God. God will never give you anything more than you can handle. Hashtag God never said that. Because if you can handle it, you don't need God. If you can accomplish what you want to accomplish on your own, you don't need God. God wants you to come to him with prayers that are so bold and so big that the only way they could ever happen is for people to look down and be like, that was God. No way that idiot could pull that off. No way that moron could pull that off. I love Gary, but there ain't no way that was Gary. That was all in, 100% God using him. I'm going to rock some of your theology during this series. Those of you that are lukewarm in your faith are going to hate this series. 
But the 25% of you who want to see God move like never before, man, you're going to be ready to charge hell with a water gun at the end of this series. I don't got to convince all of you because Jesus changed the world with 12. And one of those 12 betrayed him. But if I can get 25% of you calling out to God and fired up about God and fired up about what dangerous prayers can do, we'll start changing this world. And here's what will happen to the rest of you. You'll either get on board or you'll get left behind, and we're good either way. Some of you started praying dangerous prayers, and you screwed up. Just been praying, Gary, but get reengaged. Praying the gear to get re-fired back up. Praying the gear to get it, this and blah, blah, blah. Listen, I told you, I, I struggled the last, but about the last few months, I'm re-engaged. I'm fired back up. And you better get ready, because we're about to charge hell with the water gun. And the only thing that makes me sad about that is some of you won't make the journey. But the days of coddling you are over. The days of you sitting out there as baby Christians and sucking on that milk is over. It's time for a T-bone steak. Bold prayers honor God, and God honors bold prayers. Over the next month, we're going to learn how to draw circles in the sand when it comes to our prayer. Because make no mistake about it, prayer is the secret weapon of a Christ follower. Prayer is our, it's our direct access to God. We don't have to go to a priest to talk to God. You don't got to come to me to talk to God. How many of you grew up, I know, don't act like y'all ain't old, because I know some of you old. How many of you grew up, and back in the day, you watched the old Batman show with Adam West? Now, I ain't that old like Eileen, so I watched it recently, but here was what was always amazing to me about Batman. Commissioner Gordon had a red phone. He could pick up that red phone, and no matter where Batman was, he could get in touch with him. He was kind of like a Waffle House, 24-7 direct access. They even called it the bat phone. Man, we got a God phone. Anytime, any place, you can call out to God. We're going to laugh at this, and it's kind of funny, but it's the truth. You know what sadly happens to most of us? You know what most of us, the most serious prayers that we pray are? The most deep and our soul, we mean on prayers are. There, when we're strung out or when we're hung over or whatever, and we're hugging that toilet, puking our guts out. It's pitiful. Because I'm telling you, I've been there. I've done it. And I'm telling you, they were the most, I'm talking about prayers with tears coming down my face. God, I will never do this again. Please, Jesus, deliver me. What if we could learn how to pray hangover prayers every day of the week? That's what we're going to call them around here. Dealt with someone this week. I've been puking. They're trying to get their head on straight. I said, good. Every time they came, I said, good. So we need those hangover prayers. The prayer is so weak in church today. Most people don't know how to pray. And those who do pray, they pray these vague, weak prayers. And they wonder why God doesn't move on their behalf. God's looking for some people to draw some circles in the sand and call out to God until he answers. There's a great story in the Bible about the children of Israel. Now, you need to understand about the children of Israel. They were God's chosen people. And 400 years before the story we're about to read, God had promised them this land. Originally enough, it was called the promised land. He said, I've got a place for you. 400 years before this story, (laughs) due to their rebellion, it took them a long time to get there. 400 years. Now, at the place of this story, you need to understand something. 40 years prior, they were in captivity as slaves to Egypt, and God set them free. You know why he set them free? To take them to the promised land. From Egypt to the promised land. you know how many days journey it was? 40. It was a 40-day journey. When he set them free, in 40 days, they'd have had their promise. But they got out in the wilderness 
and forgotten. That's the problem with some of you. You got out in the wilderness. Mm. Holy smoke, that's a preach right there. That's the problem with some of y'all. Y'all forgot that you're 40 days away from a promise. You forgot God's pulled you out of Egypt. You forgot God's pulled you out of your addiction. You forgot God's pulled you out of the mess that you're in. And you've got out there and God says, man, I'm gonna, it's going to be rough for 40 days. But in 40 days, you're going to be in the promised land. But you forget God pulled you out of Egypt. And it took them 40 years to get there. A 40-day journey. They, God, set them free from slavery, and they got out there and started questioning God. God, he brought us out here to die. He's not going to feed us. He's not going to provide for us. Oh, we don't know Moses was, we don't know if Moses is the right person. What do we do? It's we want to do this, and we need this. Let's not worry about traveling. Let's just set up right here in the wilderness, and let's live out here in the wilderness. 40 days journey to the promise, and it took them 40 years. How much of some of you missed out in life because you missed out on God's promise because you rebelled. Let me give you a news. Oh, and I ain't preaching to you today. I'm preaching with you. Hey, here's the deal. Here's the deal. God delivers on his promises every time. You might have to go through the wilderness. But in the wilderness, if you'll stay focused on the promises, it won't be a 40-year journey. Finally, 40 years and they're there, ready to claim the land that had been promised them 400 years before. Man, but they're here now. They finally got their head out of their buttocks, got focused on God. Moses, who brought them out, has passed away. The leader didn't even get to go in. They've been through hell for 40 years and hell of their own doing. But today, they're there. It's a new day. All they got to do is grab what's theirs. <laughs> and they're ready. <coughs> they're ready. They're ready to go to war. They're ready to fight. They're ready to take what has been promised to them they're ready to do what they think they need to do. But God's got a different way about them going to do it. Now the gates of Jericho, so Jericho's the first city they got to grasp to take over the land. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites and no one came in. And no one, you understand these cities were built in the middle of nowhere. They built walls around the city and the, city, the walls provided protection. God's promised them a land. This land that's promised to them is called Jericho. In order to take Jericho, they've got to defeat the people of Jericho. In order to defeat the people of Jericho, they've got to rush the walls, blow up the walls, tear down the walls, do whatever it is to take the walls. <laughs> no one came in, no one went out. Verse 2. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Joshua has taken over from Moses. Because Moses died. In their rebellion, the leader didn't even get to go in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its kings and its fighting men. We're going to get back to that. Because what's interesting to me is they haven't even taken the wall yet. And God said, I already gave it to you. It's yours, baby. The promises of God are already yours. <laughs> so like, yeah, we're ready to fight. Here's what I want you to do. He said, just march around the city once with all the armed men. What? No, God, we're ready to attack. We got our spears. We got our whatever. He said, just march around the city for six days. Has seven priests carry trumpets of ram horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast of the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout, and the wall of the city will collapse. And the army will go up, and everyone will go straight. God says, I know you want to attack the wall, but here's what I want you to do. Just get the men and walk around the wall once every day for six days. On that seventh day, I want you to walk around it a little more. And I'm just going to collapse the wall and give it to you. I know what they're thinking. God, I, we must have heard you wrong. That don't make any sense, God. But Joshua called the priest and said to them, take up the Ark of the Covenant. Man, ain't jo you want to know why Joshua was a great leader? 
because he followed God even when he didn't understand. Joshua is one of the greatest military leaders in the Bible. His instinct was to go to war, and they probably would have won. March around the wall, God? What do you mean? But he trusted God. So Joshua called the priests to take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of them. And he ordered the army, advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets for the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the ark of the covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed ahead of the priests to blow their trumpets. Verse 10, but Joshua had commanded the army, do not give a war cry, do not raise your voices, do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout. Then shout. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling once, and the army returned to the camp and spent the night before there. Joshua got her up early the next morning, verse 12. And the priests took up the ark of the Lord, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets, went forward, doing what God had told them to do. Marching before the ark of the Lord, the armed men went ahead of them, and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord while the trumpets kept sounding. So they're doing what God told them. This is just a lot of hodgepodge to say they're doing what God told them to do. What God told them to do didn't really make sense. So on the second day, they marched around the city, and they did it for six days. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak. They marched around the city seven times. Why? Because God told them to march around seven times in the same manner. Except that on that day, check it out, check it out, check it out. They circled. They circled. They circled it. That day for six days, on the seventh day, they got up at daybreak, and they marched around the city seven times in the same manner. Except that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Josh commanded the army, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The walls collapsed. They walked right in and took the city. Wow. <laughs> I can't help but wonder what was going through the Israelites' mind as God said, don't fight, circle the city. Before there was ever a circle maker, these were the original circle makers. Check it out, check it out, check it out. They had a promise from God, and God said, circle the city. They had a promise from God, and God just said, circle it. Circle it. Don't circle it for one day. Don't circle it for two days. Don't give up on the third day. Hey, I know you're going to be doubting me about the fourth day. The people are going to be complaining on about the fifth day, but you just keep circling that promise that I have for you. Hey, day six, I know you're getting a little itchy right now, and you're about to think they're about to attack you because you're still circling. But, I mean, you got a promise right here, and I've just told you to circle that promise. Don't worry about what everybody else is saying. You just circle the promise. I know the naysayers are saying don't do it. Just circle. Hey, I know what everyone else is saying is that y'all do this and y'all do that. Hey, this makes more sense, but you just keep circling that promise because it's a promise that I gave you. I gave you the promise 400 years ago. I gave you the promise 40 years ago. I gave you the promise 40 days ago. But you just keep circling. I know you don't understand it, but keep circling because I'm going to deliver. On the seventh day, he said, I want you to just keep on circling it all day long. Not one time, not two times, not three times, not four times, not five times, not six times, but I want you to circle it seven times. And on the seventh time, eventually when God's ready, the promise will be yours. They were the circle makers. And God's ready for you to start drawing some circles around stuff. Circle makers. Circle makers understand some concepts today. The first thing to be if we're going to be a circle maker is you've got to define your dream. You've got to define your dream. The children of Israel knew what their dream was. It was the promised land. It was Jericho. They had a dream that was given to them by God, and they decided they were going to circle Jericho until God gave them their dream. They circled their dream. Here's my question for you today. Listen, listen. What is your dream? What is it that you're praying circles around? For the Israelites, Jericho was the fulfillment of a dream that was promised to them 400 years ago. It was a miracle they'd been waiting their entire lives for. And they got it not by fighting for it. They got it by simply being obedient and calling out to God and saying, I'm drawing a circle around this. This circle's mine. And what's in that circle, I'm not leaving that circle until God gives it to me. Listen, listen, before we can d dive into the steps of being a circle maker throughout this series, the next few, we, we got to know what we're drawing a circle around. <coughs> Sounds good to draw a circle. God, I'm going to draw a circle, Gary. I'm so excited. What are you drawing a circle around? What's your dream? What is your Jericho? What's the promise you've been praying around? What miracle are you marching around? What dream are you not willing to step out of the circle until God answers it? 
drawing circle starts with identifying what you're drawing the circle around. What's your Jericho? (laughs) You know why most of our prayers go unanswered? Because we don't know what it is that we're praying for. We throw up generic, lifeless prayers while God's saying, I want to answer your prayers. But you aren't asking me for anything. My wife, about two years ago, took a little cubby hole in our house, painted the freaking thing pink, and turned it into a prayer closet. She writes all over the walls, and she does stuff. I've never been in that prayer closet. I'm just going to be honest with you. Until about three months ago. And I was at the end of my rope on some things. And I was ready to walk away. I was ready to give up. And I said, you know what? I'm going to get up every day at 5 o'clock in the morning. And I'm going in that stupid pink prayer closet. And I got in there. And I just began to write on the walls and call out. To, and it's amazing. I got into it the other day. And I was like, you know, I've never stopped long enough to look at all the stuff I wrote on the walls. And I just begin to take out the marker and say, oh, I can mark through that one. I can mark through that one. I can mark through that one. I can mark through. I need to add this one. Some of your names are on that prayer wall. And you get prayed over every day. You know why? Because I decided I'm going to draw some circles around some things. I was tired of throwing up generic prayers. God wants specific things. How many of us, how many, how many of us have kids? How many of us, when it comes to our kids, we're like, just tell me what you want. My Luke's the worst about it. He beats around the bush. He goes all over. I said, son, you ain't get anything until you tell me what you want. Luke's favorite thing is, sure do wish I could have so-and-so. Yeah, I said, man, keep on wishing, buddy. You know, all he's got to do is ask for so-and-so and he'd get it. I'm trying to teach him to use his words. Don't do your passive-aggressive, try to guilt me. It'd be so nice if I could have ice cream. Guess what? I'm fat. I got a freezer full of ice cream, son, and I'm more than willing to share. But if you ain't going to ask for it, you ain't getting any. (laughs) Got to know what your dream is. You know why some of you in your walk with God sucks? Because you don't know what it is you're dreaming for. Jericho. What is your Jericho? I've learned that Jericho is spelled many different ways. If you have cancer, your Jericho's spelled healing. If your child is far from God, it's called salvation. If your marriage is falling apart, your Jericho's called reconciliation. If you have a vision beyond your resources, your Jericho's called provision. Whatever it is, you got to spell it out. God says, come to me, call unto me, and I will answer you, and I'll show you great and mighty things. But man, we're like, I don't want to be, I don't know that God could. God cares. He has the hair on your heads numbered. For some of you, that's real easy, about five of them. But for some of us that have enough faith not to lose our hair as we get older, God's got to keep up with it. I used to have a pastor. He was the meanest pastor in the world. You know the little Cherokee Indian guy I always tell you about. And he used to make fun of bald people all the time because he had this thick head of Cherokee Indian hair. And he got leukemia and lost all his hair. But then God healed him of it and his hair grew back. And then he got more hair again. He said, I lost my hair, but I had the faith to grow it back. <laughs> and our God loves us. But he wants to know what our dream is. God, whatever it is, spell it out. There's times in your life that your Jericho is not a word. It might be a zip code. Canton, Georgia is my Jericho. I know that sounds crazy. I know it sounds weird, but God called me to this city 15 years ago, and he's never released me. I got a lot. Someone told me today, so-and-so is the only more hated person in town than you. I don't care if they hate me. I'm called here. They've tried to run me out. They ain't running me out because God called me here. I know what my prayer circle is. I literally got out a map this week, and I laid out the city of Kent and said, well, what's the roads I can do to draw a circle around this city? Christine Lamb 
It's one of my Jerichos. I have a circle around her. An Ashland lamb, I have a circle around her. An Avery lamb, I have a circle around them. And Luke lamb, I have a circle around them. And Emily Jackson, I have a circle around them. I know what my Jerichos are. And when I lose sight of my Jerichos, man, everything falls apart. And everything gets off whack when I'm trying to make Gary famous or I'm trying to do this or I'm trying to do that. And I, I always justify because I think it's good stuff. I'm like, man, I'm just, I'm just, I always say this, man, good's the enemy of great. I can get distracted with a lot of good things and forget about the great things that God's called me to do. <laughs> man, you're not going to shock God. Maybe for you, your Jericho is simply your own apartment. And it ain't went the way you thought it was going to go. Tough crap. Draw a circle around it. To the children of Israel, 40 years, but God delivered. You need to understand something about God's timing. God's timing is not your timing. God's not on your watch. He's not on your time. He's not on your calendar. Hey, hey, maybe your Jericho is for that rebellious child to come home. I get it. That must be horrible. At this time of my life, I've never experienced that, and I hope I don't, but I might. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to draw a circle around them. And I'm going to stand. I hope this is what I do. And I'm going to stand in that circle, and I'm going to call out to God until they come back. You've got to define your dream. What is your dream today? Not only that, you've got to claim your promise. You've got to claim your promise Standing outside the walls of Jericho, this had to be insane. You're supposed to take over this city. And you need to understand, around Jericho was a six-foot wall that was lower and a 50-foot tall higher wall. So you had to get over the six-foot wall. Then you had to take down a 50-foot wall. And the only way I think is humanly, they say, man, we got to have rams and we got to have this and we got to do whatever. I don't know what kind, of, well, what kind of arsenal they had back then, but they had a way to take the wall down. And, that, and they had to think, man, we're going to lose a lot of men in the process, but we're going to get our promise. And God said, you ain't got to do nothing. Just circle it. To many, this would seem like a huge problem. Six-foot wall, 50-foot wall. <laughs> but what? Others saw as a problem. The children of Israel saw as a promise. What you see as a problem, start looking at it as a promise from God. Look at this. They haven't even done the walking yet. Verse 2, then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. Joshua had to be like, what? We ain't done nothing. What are you talking about? God says, I've already given them to you. It's already yours. Just claim your promise. It's yours. When God tells you it's yours, take it to the bank, baby. The check ain't going to bounce. It's yours. Joshua had a promise. God had promised to lead them to this land. So the problem was just an opportunity to claim God's promise. I'm here to tell you today what you see as problems and you keep making piss poor decisions because of your promises and because of your problems are simply promises that God's waiting for you to claim. He's He's waiting for you to quit doing it on your own and just claim what's already yours. The quicker you realize that, the quicker you'll jump in that prayer circle and call out to God. God gave Joshua an audible promise. He's given us a written promise. A promise is an answer to your problems. When you're praying, don't miss this. When you're praying, don't draw circles around your problems. Draw circles around your promises. (laughs) Your marriage sucks. Guess what? Your marriage is going to suck sometimes. Welcome to marriage. Your marriage is on the rocks. Don't circle my marriage is on the rocks. Circle the promise. What God has joined together, let no man separate. Mm, it's a promise. He says your children are far from God. 
You see a problem. Praying for my child. Oh, they're in rebellion. They're in addiction. I don't know what to do. Maybe you quit circling the problem and you start circling the promise. The promise is this. You train up a child in the way they should go. When they're old, they will not depart from it. Oh, man, I don't do this much and she's going to get mad and send me a text. Janice Kennedy, where are you at? Stand up. She left. Hey, them kids are driving you nuts right now. But you got a promise. Raise up a child in the way they go. You got a promise. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. They might not come back in your time, but they'll come back in God's time if you start circling that promise. And you've been doing that. Don't get me wrong. You're lacking the finances, and you're praying, God, I'm broke. And you're circling, God, I'm broke. God, provide money. God, provide money. God, provide money. Why don't you circle the promise? My God shall supply all your needs. According to his riches, by the way. You don't know what's next. I need direction. Circle, God says, I go before thee, and I make the crooked places straight. God, I don't know what's next. I don't know what's around that bend, but I'm glad you're like the crocodile hunter. God, you're just pecking your fucking it away. You're saying, hey, come on, follow me. It's good over here. God, I can't see it around the bend. He said, I've done been there. It's going to be bumpy. It's going to be a little bit scary. It's going to be a little dark, but I'm going to get you through it. Quit circling the problems. Start circling the promises. Claim what is yours. I just, I, I, I'm just so alone. God says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. You're looking for partnership maybe in the wrong things. Maybe God says, I got a partner out there for you, but I'm, I, I'm waiting for you to learn how to have a relationship with me before I bring an outsider into your life. We don't like this kind of preaching because it hits too close to home. You've messed up. <laughs> Allow me to introduce myself. My name is Gary Lamb, and I am the king of messing up. And I can get down on it. And I was. I was circling the problem. I'm a mess up. I'm a screw up. I'm a piece of sh whatever. I didn't say it, so don't tell Christine I said it. I'm a whatever. Oh, really what I was doing was self-loathing. Somebody tell me how great I am because I messed up and I just need some encouragement. I just need words of affirmation. When I should have been circling the promise, he said, I will forgive your sins as far as the east is from the west. God says, I don't even remember what you did. I choose not to remember, so I don't know why you keep beating yourself up about But everybody else keeps reminding me. Then draw a circle that they can't get in. You might have sunk deep in life, and God says, I will pick you up by the miry clay and place your feet on the rock. Circle that promise. God is a God of promises. And when God promises something, you can take it to the bank. You know what we need to start learning? We need to learn how to pray through. <laughs> See, we don't pray through. We pray for. God, I'm going to throw this prayer up one good time, and I hope you answer it. good. No, you get in that circle, and you pray through, and you call out to God. And if it takes one day, you pray one day. And if it takes three days, you pray three days. And if it takes seven days, you pray seven days. And if it, breaks, if it takes three months, if someone told you that your kids would come back to, to you and get their life straight, if you pray every day in the circle for three straight years, you know what you'd do? You'd get up every day for three straight years, and you'd pray. And if God said, hey, if you just did it for five years, you're married, I'd, I'd, I'd say, I'd, I'd, put, I'd hunker down and be like, I'm going to pray for five years. I'm going to go through five years of hell to know I got the rest of my life with this person. But the problem is we pray for instead of praying through. God said, I'm waiting for you to keep praying until I answer your prayers. They might not seem like I'm answering, but you don't realize I'm just getting you ready. If I answer them right now, you wouldn't know how to handle them. I'm preparing you, and I'm molding you, and I'm taking you through the mess and the mire where I can shape you because you're not ready for the promise. God. We are like praying is a one-time thing. Praying through is claiming your promise and not stop until God gives you, don't miss this, what is rightfully yours. 
Circle makers pray through because they know that at any moment, if they pray through, God's going to break through. I'm full of cliches today, baby. Praying through is about intensity. I got to tell you something, man. I, I've been in that prayer, and I am... I've been, I've been your pastor for 10 years. I've always got up on the stage. I'm like, I'm not the best prayer. I'm not, that's not my skill set. I, I get it. Last three months, I have prayed with intensity. I have prayed with focus. I'm going to tell you, it might not be the most manly thing. I had traded my man car, but I don't really care. If you need a man car for this, you ain't a man anyway. I've been in that closet. I couldn't even form words with my mouth. Didn't even know what I was praying. Tears coming down my face, but God knew what I was trying to pray. And I've been watching God slowly, but surely the things I've been praying for, they come back at 10%. I'm like, well, I saw a glimmer of hope. And then they come back at 20%. I said, well, I'm seeing a glimmer of hope. And, I see them, and then here recently, I've seen, bam, they're back. And the, everything's been in. And I'm like, God, thank you. Now, here's the challenge for me, challenge for me, challenge for me. God's answering them prayers. My instinct is to stop. It's like people with mental health issues. They get on their medicine. They get all good. Like, I'm good. No, you're good because you got, got a little bit off balance. And the medicine's helping you. Quit. No, don't stop taking it. I get good and I quit doing what I'm supposed to do. You know how to avoid your car tearing up all the time? Take care of it when it ain't tore up. But we don't do that with our body. We got to pray through it's hot up here today. Man. When was the last time you found yourself flat on your face before God looking for an answer? Here's the deal. You already got the promise. You just got to claim it. God don't make mistakes. God don't make screw-ups. God's ways are not our ways, and God's timing is not our timing. So stop feeling sorry for yourself. You whiny, sniveling, self entitled Christ follower. Check this one out. This one's hard. Start praising in the circle. This is huge. The minute you start praying for something, start praising God for the way he's going to answer it. He's already given you the promise so start praising him that he's going to answer it. Start praising him that he's going to answer it. You don't know when he's going to answer it, but he's going to answer it. Verse 2, the Lord said to Joshua, I have delivered Jericho into your hand along with the king and its fighting man. Let me read that again. I have delivered Jericho into your hands. I have delivered Jericho into your hands. Not only Jericho, I'm giving you the fighting man and the king. Who have I delivered to you? I have delivered Jericho to you. You haven't done it yet, but hey, you ought to start praising me. You know why? Because when God says that you can take it to the bank, baby, you can cash it in. It's all good. God's promises are real. They're good start praising him it's easy to praise him once he gives us what we want start praising him today they haven't even started marching the circle around the wall yet but god had already delivered jericho to them it's written look at it's written do i have any english people out there that know how to like proper english like i, I see you on facebook your your, your grammar nazis Look what it says. I have delivered. That's past tense. It's already yours. Just go do what I tell I've already delivered them to you. Start praising me. You're waiting for me to get them. They're yours. You just got to claim it, baby. Start delivering. Start praising in the circle. Game change. I don't mess my notes up and everything. He had delivered Jericho into their hands, written in the past tense. Not a future tense. He didn't say, I'm going to deliver them to you. He says, I have delivered them to you. Man, the, <laughs> the battle was won before the battle was fought. God had already given them the city. All they had to do was circle it. When we get in the circle, call out to God. But spend as much time praising God. Faith doesn't celebrate once the miracle happens. It celebrates before it happens. Some are going to say, uh, uh, you know, Gary, you've turned into one of them name it and claim it preachers. Nah, God can't be bribed. 
I do not believe if you name it, you can claim it. But I believe if God promised it, you can claim it. Someone told me the other day, I said, I, I prayed for this woman, and God gave her to me. No, he didn't, because you were married when that woman came along. I can promise you, you didn't name it and claim it. God promised you that woman that you made a commitment with and a covenant with. I don't want to go there today. God's looking for circle, for circle makers. Hey, when you're praying for God to turn your husband back to him, Start praising God because he's going to turn back to him. Instead of praying for the promotion, start thanking God for the promotion years in advance. Instead of praying for God to get you out of debt, and you ought to pray that in the circle, but go ahead and make sure you go ahead and thank him that he's going to get you out of debt. Thank him that he's going to give you enough freaking sense to learn how to manage your money the right way, and you're going to work your way out of the debt. Eileen, how long did it take to get out of debt? When y'all have made the changes financially. Five years. Brad can spend some money, can't he? You got frustrated during them five years, didn't you? You wanted it to happen in one year, didn't you? Let me tell y'all about Eileen and Brad. Eileen and Brad, this is how long they've been in my life. For one year when I moved here, the church I pastored met in Teasley Middle School. They showed up at Teasley Middle School. That's how long they've been in my life. Eileen, y'all didn't have two pennies to rub together. You didn't have anything. I ain't trying to be mean, but you had nothing. It, no, parents gave them furniture. Boy, God's blessed. She's going to beat my butt for saying this. Over the last few years, there's times this church would have closed down financially had Brad and Eileen not personally come along and said, how much do you need? Keep it open. That's how God's blessed them. Now they're in a, a life transition, man. Brad's left his corporate job and went out on his own. And I notice he keeps gaining weight, so he must be eating all right. You know what I mean? And Rachel, I ain't seen her come in in rags yet, so he must be providing. And the cars ain't out there broke down and smoking, so he must be providing. And you still got a house to go to. He's still providing, ain't he? Uh-huh. You start praising in the circle. But you know why it happened? Because they learned biblical principles on how to manage their money. You keep asking for God. God, just get me out of debt. God says, I wish I could if you'd stop spending. You don't got to... You don't got to... A money problem. You got a spending problem. God. Hey, I'm just praying for, for God to, that my wife would just respect me again. Start doing things where she can respect you. You ain't very respectable right now. And start praising God that once you start doing what you're supposed to do, God's going to turn her heart back to you. Because she loved your sorry butt when she married you. And she don't want to walk away from you. But she's sick of you having your head up your again, your buttocks. So listen, start praising God that he's going to turn. I've been praying some circles around some things. I've been praying some circles around this church. The other day someone came and said, what are you doing? I was just walking around the building. It wasn't their business. I was praying circles around this place. Because I want to see God move like never before. If God has put a promise in your heart, start praising him for it. God, I know you're going to give me. Thank you. I don't understand why, God, and it hurts right now, and I see someone so destroying their life, and I'm destroying my life, and I don't understand it, God, but, but thank you that I'm going get to get it turned around. Here's the deal. we got to go home. God's looking for some circle makers. I could preach a little bit longer, but I got to go to Blue Ridge and do a wedding. Oh. I got to start drawing a circle around my calendar and make sure I look at it before I commit to crap. <laughs> God's looking for some people to draw a circle in the sand. Rhonda, I love you because I know she's going to come listen to the podcast, and that's whose wedding I'm doing today. I just don't want to do your wedding. I ain't going to lie to you. If it was in Canton, I'd do it. Well, I'm going to do it in Blue Ridge, but. He's looking for some people to draw a circle in the sand.
He's looking for some people just to pray a single prayer and believe God's going to change the world through it. Now, here's the deal. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to show you some of the craziest prayers in the Bible. And there are some crazy freaking prayers in the Bible. And my goal at the end of the series is real, real simple. I hope you learn the power of dangerous prayers. You know, every Monday we have prayer meeting here. Didn't even know that, did you? Every Monday, 7 o'clock, about five of them get together and pray. You got to come join them. Maybe God do something cool. But if you don't come join them, guess what? They're going to be here every Monday at 7 o'clock praying. I believe they prayed this church through some hard times. I believe they prayed me through some hard times. Just drawing them circles, standing in the middle, and not leaving the circles. We are, we are a quitting society. I just give up. Well, okay, well, guess what? Life still happens. So quit giving up, you idiot. 